0: doesn't put an end to shit, you fucking retard. This is just a fucking start. Why don't you go put that on your Good Morning Missouri fucking wake-up broadcast, bitch? My name is Matthew Kroll.
1: And I'm a little scared, but I've read it on a bookmark in a book I was reading. I can't remember if it was on Polio or Polo, which is the one with horses. This is Shahir Dad with the... <laughs> worst worst cold ever if you're listening in i apologize greatly and this (laughs)
0: is the only podcast about movies specifically the film
1: three billboards outside of ebbing missouri clarify this for me ebbing missouri is not a real place right oh i don't know i I, I just took it as it was no i i don't think
0: google that shit
1: wait live uh, on the show google that shit you mm, can't use your voice no ebbing missouri is not a real place Wow. Well, uh, it, it felt real it to felt, me. It definitely felt real. Uh,
0: welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Sorry to borrow that from John Oliver, but I'm excited that you're all here listening to us rant
1: and rave yet again. For a Martin McDonough film. Yeah. Man, yeah. So, and again, hey, guys, I... You might have figured out the secret formula, which is that we do record multiple episodes in one night. And my, we've just recorded a previous episode. Why are you, why are you telling him our secret shit yeah, there? And, and my voice is slowly going, let's see if I can make it through this. Say the
0: sexiest thing you can think of right now.
1: Um, Cahiers do Cinema ushered in a new era. A filmmaking theory. No, uh, Nope. Not, <laughs> I nope. didn't, I didn't even, that didn't do anything for me. No, it didn't, not even get a, a mild chubby. Nope. Nothing <laughs> moved. Well, the guitar fans might, uh, <laughs> might've they're just
0: perked up like, huh? <laughs> what?
1: God, he used to do cinema. I'm feeling, I'm feeling silly all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> Sheer, How you doing other than the sickness? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm. Um, we're prepping for our Christmas vacation right now. So Excellent. Getting, getting to get away from the New York snow, which would be nice. Oh, yeah. I know people didn't write in to hear our vacation plans, but Wait,
0: what are you doing? Where are you going?
1: Uh, we're going to an island of some description. Ooh. I'm not going to tell you which island in case there are listeners in that island who decided they don't like my Star Wars <laughs> reviews. <laughs> and decide to then take... your force will most assuredly awaken. Yeah, and I don't want to check my uh, my breakfast order <laughs> with like, I hate you, Shahira. Yeah. Oh.
0: Womp, 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 womp. To be fair, nobody cares. <laughs> that, that's also true. That's not true. We yeah. have Listeners, we love you and we love that you do care and you write us in a bunch and we appreciate it. If you'd like to continue reaching out to us, you can do that at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. But if you want to do something even nicer for us for this lovely holiday season which we will be doing a Christmas episode coming up uh,
1: you could leave us reviews where can they do it share you can leave us a review on iTunes uh, and if you're from another country please let us know that you've left that review because we can't see that review email us please uh, email us that review because we can't see it uh, unfortunately unless we switch our country of preference you can also write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Uh, especially if you like the sound of my sultry fading Boys. Oh, man, you're
0: going to make it. You're going to make it I'm through this. this. Let's do this. I have faith. I'm just looking at the waveform right now. Yeah. And you... My friend, I, I feel so bad. I'm fading, right? I, don't uh, worry. I'll, I'll filter you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. make you sound
1: like the like. Could you even make me sound smoother. smarter? Uh, yeah. y- yes. Could you put a Mel House filter on me? Or yeah, something yeah. Like Everything's that? coming we're up, up Mel House. Um, but this was, uh, we are coming up to the end of the year as well, which oh, means yeah. we are going to be coming up to two things. We are going to be coming up to our Christmas episode, which is always fun. Last year we did Die Hard. Mm-hmm. This year it's probably going to be jingling all the way. Jingle all the way in. Yes. Uh, and then we're also coming up to, our best of 2017 episode, which are always fun. Uh, We would love it if you wrote in and told us your top... 10, maybe your top three of 2017 uh, especially if it's films that we've reviewed because we'd love to see where it landed in terms of things we actually saw.
0: If you could it, when you send those in give like a, like say the movie and then like one sentence as to why because
1: that'll be nice and easy for us to read down and you guys have wonderfully interesting And just for to say. bonus points make sure that the one sentence of why relates to the movie don't just say like oh I got it free on a subway train someone was selling the Blu-ray or something like that. Say like you know make it seem like you've actually watched the movie.
0: <laughs> I love how there's the film professor taking yeah, a fun the- activity and making it not
1: yeah yeah. Uh, no 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 uh, just write us in and we will we'll read off a bunch of those this in fact this film that we're reviewing three billboards outside of eming was requested to us as a film that we should definitely catch up yes. on before the end of the year we're still trying to uh, there are a couple more films that we may that may not make it into our 2017 roster which means that they will then be eligible for the 2018 best of which is a really interesting dumb game that I play. But it happens all the time when you look at film reviews. For example, uh, a lot of European reviewers uh, have Moonlight on their top 10 list for 2017 because the film was released in early 2017. What the fuck? No, but the, to be fair, if they didn't put it in that movie, which is amazing, would not make it into any top 10 list for a European review, which would be unfair.
0: I mean, in their, in their districts, you're saying
1: in, in their countries, yeah, you yeah. know, like so film, so Moonlight came out at the end of the year in America. It didn't hit, uh, you you know, London until two early 2017, right. which means it ends up in the 2017 year.
0: We didn't hit London until late 2017. Hi, Hey, we went to the MAs, but yeah. that's enough of that. Yeah. Uh, look, the signs all pointed me towards this film, Shahir. You're I know, excited about this. I know that <coughs> you don't watch trailers. Yeah, I, I don't watch trailers. We've talked about this ad, ad, like,
1: ad, ad Nobody cares. Um,
0: but no, I think, I think new listeners might. I do watch trailers. I love trailers. And uh, I saw this trailer. You you might have sent it to me. I, I don't quite remember how I came across it. I felt
1: like you sent that to me as in as in it was like oh we should do this movie.
0: Maybe I did but I don't know Uh, and I was just psyched Uh, it it felt fresh and interesting and uh, uh, a little bit true crimey even though I don't think it is but the Mm -hmm. trailer kind of makes it that way and I'm into all that stuff Uh, Francis Francis McDormand man
1: national treasure what
0: the holy what the hell (laughs) she's just just so good yeah uh and this uh this film is no exception to that rule uh and it had a lot of people in it that I liked I have you know Sam Rockwell is always a, a personal favorite of mine as is uh well Woody Harrelson is touch and go but I think he did a great job here uh I I uh I I really dug it I I I don't want to, I guess I could get into my initial thoughts about it. Um, it well, actually I don't really have a history. Um, I with, with Donna. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen seven psychopaths. Okay. But I don't particularly remember it. Okay. Uh, and I, I have never seen in Bruges. I, I, I know, I at know, this point, yeah. I know I will do it. I just haven't. <laughs> so I kind of went in, not really knowing what to expect.
1: To be honest with you, I haven't seen him in Bruges. Immediately, uh, all of our listeners are like, You fucking guys. Who the oh, fuck we,
0: yeah. Know? Well, well, now, this who the has, has been guys? the only podcast <laughs>
1: that you'll, now you don't have to listen to us anymore because we've lost all credibility. <laughs> I have not seen him in Bruges. I have not seen Seven Psychopaths. I have seen a short film, uh, Six Shooter, and I've seen his brother's movie, uh, <laughs> <If> <laughs> The that Guard. Counts. Yeah. Well, if that counts for anything, I've seen that. Um, and I, I got to admit that, you know, like Martin McDonough is, a, is, a, is an esteemed playwright um, who has, uh, g- you know, garnered a good, a solid reputation as being able to, you know, as a, as a fine wordsmith, so to speak. You know, a person who can write uh, uh, excellent. Did I say <laughs> exicant? <laughs> exicant. What does exican mean? That, I like it.
0: Yeah. It's either wonderful
1: or a skin condition. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's a skin condition, oh, and I it's a it wonderful right. skin yeah, condition. And I'm spreading it to you via your e holes right now. Great. Um. But he can write uh, a, a fine turn of phrase, a la Quentin, but, but but also a violent turn of phrase, a la Quentin Tarantino. Mm. Uh, as we as evidenced by Imbrugian. Seems like best two films I have not seen. So this is actually, other than his Academy Award-winning short film, Six Shooter, the first Martin McDonough film I've seen, other than knowing very well the Other than his
0: brother's movie.
1: Other than his brother's movie. His brother is a fine filmmaker as well. Um, so... I you know like but but uh, like you I had um, wanted to I, I wanted to see this I thought the trailer was uh, not the trailer I, I thought the conceit of the film was yeah. was something I was very interested in the idea of of putting billboards up um, the also the the suggested rage that this film kind of encapsulated at uh, police brutality and at uh, police inefficiency for for example mm-hmm. that I that I heard was emanating from this film um, this film was actually written seven years ago Go, but it seemed to hit at the exact um coalescence with the me too movement mm. in an interesting way where uh that sort of feminine rage uh seemed to be something that 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 um resonated particularly with this film um so i for all those reasons i was really interested in seeing it matt can you tell us what the synopsis of three billboards is
0: i sure can imdb describes three billboards outside of ebbing missouri as not a real place (laughs) a mother personally challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder when they fail to catch the culprit
1: (laughs) wait wait did did that mention the billboard nope Mm, didn't mention the billboard
0: well it's in the title i guess (laughs) challenging authorities via the billboards i get you I mean, we, IMDB, we are available for writing gigs if you need us. Um, We we
1: could just copy and paste the title for this one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Matt, what did you think of the film? I, look first thoughts no spoilers
0: first thoughts no spoilers hitting you with my best shot firing away uh cast like i said sort of initially off the charge loved him to death characters are front and center here uh it's it's real feeling yet uh people are reacting in hyper realistic ways which I, is very difficult to pull that off uh so it felt like it had weight there structurally uh this is something interesting and i thought when i when i noticed it happening i was like oh this is gonna weigh on me and it didn't mm-hmm. uh it feels I, I i termed i coined the term structurally ranty okay uh meaning
1: you heard it here first uh
0: it's it twists and turns between characters in different parts of the journey it felt unregulated and sort of unlike anything scripted that i'd seen in a while mm-hmm. but like like for instance um it, there's a moment where a character basically becomes a narrator Yep. Uh, And that that doesn't normally ha- like from a classical structure doesn't really happen. There's a lot of little things like that mm-hmm. where you just feel like no character in this film is in control. And but but the world is barreling on. Mm-hmm. And that's something that normally a character or characters are pushing the world along. This just felt like life, man. Yeah. Uh, and that was super <coughs> refreshing. Uh, counterpoint, uh, however, to the film's greatness. There are a couple of weird sort of moments in it um, from a from a cultural or racial sort of uh, standpoint where I I noticed it kind of um, turned some very hot button issues into just sort of one liners. Mm hmm. And I don't know if that uh, services itself in any way. And then the second. What do you think? Do you you think it discredits the movie or it actually. I think it 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 services the characters, but it does do this weird thing where it makes something uh, horrible trite okay uh
1: due to and i, I it, it, did it did it did it turn you off the movie enough
0: uh, not not enough i mean look i think these are this is a tapestry and those were little parts that i didn't particularly like i mm-hmm. don't i don't think it's a reason to not see the film the film's right. great no because we are uh, we
1: are we're in a era of you know the the me too thing but it's yeah like, but it's also like uh the divorcing of art from artists is kind of part of the conversation of of like can i enjoy a film Knowing that something well, this is isn't even, off about it, this
0: isn't even from the artist perspective. Yeah, I'm, this is, and this is this much is more a, is in, the, in the character, the character things. Yeah.
1: Um, but it might point to a uh, 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 discrepancy of care.
0: And also, I mean, <clears throat> it, the, the thing is, race is a little bit of a hot button issue in this in this film. <laughs> you think? Uh, but this is the kicker of it. Even though it's, it is a hot button issue, mm. who gets the redemption arc? Right. Like, that's that that's an odd question. Like, right. that's why are we focusing on this prick? Yeah. Uh, so there's but uh, those things aside, I have to I always want to temper my like, I love that. I loved that. I loved that. I loved it with like actual like criticism, because there's always things that I feel can be done better. Uh, and we can get into sort of why and how uh, as we move along. But Shaheer, what about you, buddy? What did you, what did you, what did you, which of the three billboards was your favorite? Which one?
1: <laughs> why, Char- why Captain Willoughby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah with a qu- big old question mark. Yeah. Um, no, so this movie gave me a lot to chew on. And in interesting ways, it, it kind of, um, the walk home from this movie was a really interesting one for me in terms of like the conversation that was going on in my brain. Um, and it got me thinking a lot about, um, A couple of things. And the first one is the inevitable link to the Coen brothers. I think it was a really uh, good starting point. Obviously, Francis McDormand is married to one of the Coen brothers, uh, is a regular feature of Coen brother films, uh, such as Fargo um, and Burn After Reading. And uh, the the movie was scored by Carter Burwell, who's also a Coen brothers uh, regular collaborator. Um, It also has this kind of small town Coen brother-esque absurdity to it. (laughs) Sure, Um, But I was thinking about, my relationship to the Coen brothers film versus my relationship to this film, my response to this film. And that led me into an interesting rabbit hole to think about my relationship to religion of all things. Um, so I, uh, as you know, am not a religious person, but I would say the closest thing I have to religion is the movies. Yes. We've uh, talked about this. Yeah. And, uh, and, and what I, I think what I find In the movies that that I think a lot of people find in religion is this sense of uh, film uh, allows us to make order out of chaos and allows us to give meaning to events uh, that may be otherwise meaningless. And I think that's what um, religion does to it for a lot of people. And, and, and the Cohen brothers are particularly good at that, uh, especially if you look at a film like, say, for example, uh, Barton Fink or No Country for Old Men, which is about the chaos of the universe and its indifference to human beings. But somehow those films make sense of that chaos, even if the underlying answer is the world is just chaotic and you can't control it. Um, which I think is the major theme in No Country for Old Men, and and this film in particular, uh, coming back to Three Billboards, had this unnerving experience for me, which is that um, it made me ask a lot of interesting questions about, particularly about its ending uh, and where the film resolves. I don't want to give it away um, because of spoilers, just yet. just yet, because of spoilers. But it's a weird ending. It is an unusual ending, um, and I couldn't, what I couldn't make heads or tails about, is whether that ending was not, not just where that ending is, but with how deliberate the film was in its ability to ask those questions, because like you say, there are some things this film handles expertly um and and wonderfully and then there are some things that this film handles with a really tone deaf kind of approach and and feels like uh we've you know we we just haven't thought about this in any way and if a film is supposed to strike up a conversation then then good or bad those are worthy things to 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 have but but like you uh i found that this was A unique experience that barreled out of control in, in sort of interesting ways that, that I wasn't always convinced about. And I wasn't always convinced that the, the writer and the director had a handle on the way to take these stories. But, but I always felt like, they were in command of their, you know, like the, I, I never of their felt, facilities of their facilities, And I never felt that they weren't doing the film that they wanted to make. I never felt this wasn't the film Martin McDonald wanted to make that the film got away from him or anything like that. Um, but there are some really tone deaf, uh, elements to this movie and there are some really unusual side tangents to this movie, particularly, uh, in relation to, um, police brutality, domestic abuse and racial inequality mm-hmm. and racial um racial violence that this film treats occasionally really masterfully and then occasionally really poorly and you know, uh, the fact that it touches on all those issues is, is worthwhile and interesting. The fact that we are in an era now where we're sensitive to that approach, you know, like we'll watch a film from the seventies, you know, a French connection or something like that. And police brutality will be rampant and we'll kind of brush it off as, oh, well, that was the sixties. Um, but we're in an era now where, where everything matters and representation matters.
0: Hell, you can even, we, I'll <laughs> even give you something lighter. You can rewatch friends and there's like rampant hobo, hobophobia in yeah. friends. And you're like, I don't remember that. Yeah. And And, like,
1: uh, yeah. So we're we're just in a different place right now. So so some things do come across as tone deaf uh, in this film, but on the whole, I think this was a really unique experience. So, so coming back to my, 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 my thing about religion and my thing about, um, the religion of cinema, if you will, is this idea that, that cinema movie stories allow us to find order in, in, in events that may not have order. Um, and this was a decidedly anti-cathartic film for me. This was a film that, that went out of its way to to not give you a sense of order. It, it kind of it kind of perpetually worked in chaos. It felt and, like life and but not in a way that I think, say a coen brothers isk film would yeah. find order not comforting it, yeah. it's, <laughs> no but but i i don't think even the coen brothers find comfort you know like they, they I just,
0: think the structure <coughs> i think the, their structure and the mm-hmm. fact that they structure a film a certain way and many filmmakers do this the, to to make mm-hmm. a complete they, they
1: make a point and i'm not sure yeah. I, I walked out of this going i'm not sure what the point was, but I didn't feel like the film was misfiring. I felt that there was just a lot to chew on and a lot to digest. Now in spoilers, I think we'll get, we'll get to the meat of that, um, of what that, uh, point might We're be. We're going to be Arby's
0: all up in this bitch. Yeah, yeah. We got the meats. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, no, I, I I did enjoy it even though the film left me feeling uneasy a lot of the time. Um and I thought it was a really interesting experience. Now, there's a lot of Oscar buzz, SAG Award buzz around this movie, a lot of, you know, like um uh movement around this movie to encapsulate, you know, it's it's an awards it's in the awards season kind of thing. I'm not sure it's 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 a film that 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 works in that respect, but this, it does it does, you know, definitely ask some interesting questions.
0: This movie reeks of a
1: film that will be nominated for a trillion things that and will, win none nothing. of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh it, yeah, Isn't you're that right. Sad? It, it does feel that way. <laughs> um and that is a curious space to occupy. Arguably a more interesting space to occupy. It's an honor just be nominated. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I think we should, I think to to avoid tiptoeing around the things we're talking about. We can we get should, into spoilers. We should jump into Let's spoilers. Let's just
0: start talking about the film. So Mildred played by the wonderful and enigmatic. Is that the right word? Enigmatic? En- enigmatic? Enigmatic. See, I fucked it up. It's late, guys. Francis McDormand. Um she basically uh, notices a bunch of billboards conveniently located in front of her property. I thought it was kind of funny that she drove by them, like, "Oh, I've never seen these billboards before." There, because she could see them from her porch. Yeah,
1: um, the back. I don't think she was saying she couldn't the see the
0: No, no, no. But like, she I, maybe she just got the idea. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I got silly. the impression
1: that she was like searching for a, an idea. Yeah, and the billboard uh, suddenly uh,
0: coalesced. Her her daughter was murdered seven months prior, and no arrests have been made. So she puts up three billboards. Uh, she rents them off of off a dying town uh, road that was <laughs> out since the free way was put in mm. um, always a sucker for some but also psycho where she lives yeah, yeah but also right where she lives yeah uh, and they read as follows raped while dying and still no arrests how come Chief Willoughby those are the three uh, the three signs in red with black font.
1: I thought her grandma was a little poor on those.
0: Well, I don't think... I think they were character-wise correct yeah. for her. Maybe. Uh, so she goes and she rents them off of uh, this guy, Red, who owns a sign company in town, can
1: be located right across the police station in this little... Little uh, ebbing, played ebbing by, Missouri. Played uh, by Caleb Landry Jones, who was also in Get Out this year. Yeah. Uh, really interesting actor. He was just, And he was also in the Florida Project for a few moments. Yes. <laughs> um. So really interesting actor. who's like popping up in some interesting movies. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, this obviously pisses off the police department. The chief,
0: Chief Willoughby, played by Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. um, And uh, a cadre of other uh, police officers. Dixon, mm-hmm. played by Sam Rockwell, is the aforementioned uh, super racist cop. Yeah. Uh, a kind of an inept super racist cop. Mm-hmm. Um, and it like this big clash in the town sort of uh, ensues. Um, and Mildred and Willoughby, uh, Willoughby confronts Mildred about them mm-hmm. eventually after he notices them. Yeah. And eventually uh, they, it, it's interesting because they're going back and forth. And then he tries to drop this bomb on her that he has cancer and he's
1: dying. Doesn't that moment come off like completely? nonchalantly to you like it was like it was like oh and i have cancer well he was he brought
0: it it. up he was just like he was trying to tiptoe around it a bit and then she's like i know everyone in town knows knows." and 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 the this was the moment where i was like this is going to be an intricate character dance for all of these people because you could tell mildred didn't didn't not care but that's not what this is about this is about finding justice for her daughter
1: yeah and, and I think, but it, you know, like it, like you say, it kind of, um, it ups the anti narrative wise in terms of where, how these characters are going to weave around each other because suddenly the stakes for Willoughby are not just, oh, I didn't solve this case. This might be what I'm remembered for. Yeah. Um, and, and so that weighs heavily on his mind, um, perhaps, you know, intentionally by Francis McDormand's character, um, it puts
0: more weight on what she's doing too. Cause it's, 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 it's going to, she wants
1: results and she knows she has to be messy to do it. Right. And I think, you know, like the, 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 the thing that I was talking about in terms of like feeling uncomfortable or, or unsure of where this film was kind of had its hit. What all kind of comes together around the character of Dixon played by Sam Rockwell, Sam Rockwell, love him. The guy is an amazing, amazing dancer of all things, but also an incredible actor who's been around for a while. Um, <laughs> We all love Sam Rockwell. What up, Justin Hammer? <clears throat> there you go. Was he the Hebrew? He wasn't the Hebrew. <laughs> no,
0: Justin Hammer. He was the villain in Iron Man 2. Was he? Uh, next to Whiplash.
1: There you go. Mickey Rourke. There you go. <laughs> um, I, Dixon is a self-professed, not even a self-professed racist, but a person who has been accused of uh torturing african american um people citizens. In, citizens in his neighborhood um and that takes a that adds a a layer of complexity to this because uh mildred is often saying well i think the police just have you know don't have enough time to to look after my daughter because they're out there you know torturing black people um the the thing that becomes difficult about this is that that issue has re- little to no agency in a black character in this film. Yes. And and it's what's even more sort of disturbing, not disturbing, maybe is the wrong is too strong a word, but Mildred has another coworker uh, with her um, at at, a at, gift the, shop. at the gift shop. She works at um, an African-American woman who is arrested because she pissed off, you know, because Dixon is trying to get to him. Dixon's mom, who he lives with is like, go after her friends. Yeah. Go after her friends. And so she, she's arrested for a small time charge of marijuana. Um, but, but that, that, like you said, is kind of treated almost indifferently. Yeah. And then she, you know, that character returns to the she's story. Like, I got out. I got out. I'm going to help you with your billboard, which kind of like gives her this sort of best black friend, you know, who has no story outside of this, outside of this yeah. main narrative, um, you know, which is just a, a sort of, it puts this film in a sort of interesting space, um, that, that of wokeness next to tone deaf. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's this tone deafness that, 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 that kind of doesn't really ring true. Even the
0: N word joke in, in the police station, she goes, you're too busy, uh, torturing N word to, to look after my daughter. And, and Dixon goes, and it's meant to play for a laugh. Yeah. Uh, and Dixon's like, he go, he says, the- oh, you can't say N word anymore. You have to say out torturing African American people.
1: Yeah. And like. The joke doesn't land, right?
0: No. And, and it's, and it's meant to be uncomfortable for the character, but it just ends up being an uncomfortable moment for everyone with like, this movie does so many things right that when it hits these sort of wrong
1: moments, I'm really like, what, where is this coming from? Exactly. And, and there's even an appearance by one of my favorite, uh, actors, a guy by the name of Clark Peters, who would play list Freeman in the wire. I always just love this guy. And you would think that, that, it seems like the inclusion of him, uh, who comes in to replace Chief Willoughby, will shake up the story in that way. But it, it really, does not. it really doesn't. And it's even preceded by a moment of extreme police brutality, uh, extreme, extreme police with brutality with no consequence whatsoever, with, with absolutely no consequence, and and is filmed in a way that kind of. You know, and this is a comparison that happens to McDonald a lot, but filmed kind of like a Tarantino movie. Um, you know, it has this sort of Tarantino um, absurdist, somewhat, uh, somewhat sort of. Uh, giallo, you know, the, the Italian blood mm-hmm. kind of horror um, feel to it. But it has no consequence, it comes out of left field, and it doesn't change the film. To, it doesn't change our impression too much of Dixon. You can- even, even to the point, the thing that you mentioned later on, which is that Willoughby writes a note to Dixon, he becomes a narrator uh, after his uh, after his suicide. Uh, you know, big spoiler for later in the film, hopefully you're, you're in spoilers by this point. But, but Willoughby sees something to Dixon, which is like, I know you're a good Cop, you know, down in the heart, and I was like, and I, when I watched that, I was like, How? Really? Are you?" I think you've demonstrated that you're not at this point, and and the I, film hasn't demonstrated that you are. I took that
0: as even for the way he treats him when he's alive, he doesn't believe that. I, I took that as a, this is his last ditch effort to try to get this guy to turn around. So he's telling him he believes in him.
1: Right. But that is, that is, you know, in terms of tone deafness, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the, the events that the film, the, the things that Dixon have done in this film, well, the other thing do too, not warrant like, Hey, let's give him another yeah, shot.
0: He gets put in the same hospital as red, who he threw out a second story window yeah. and then like red forgives him. And I'm like, what the, f-? yeah, why, why? I mean, Sam Rockwell's a great actor. Cool. Uh,
1: why is Dixon the character being given so much fucking leeway? Yeah, he really... And again, for a movie that has little to no black agency...
0: Yeah, because we've only seen one of his atrocities
1: that happened to be to a white person on camera. But that atrocity in itself is is awful. And, and, and you get the, what you're not sure about is whether that is playing it in this sort of Tarantino ultra violent kind of way, or whether it is since it is trying to, sh- to show his brutality. And if it's trying to show his brutality, chief Willoughby's letter then seems even more tone deaf, you know, because why should this guy deserve another shot? Now, this is all, Again, I apologize. My voice is is going now. This There's is all, no excuse. This is all counterpointed by the ending of this film, which which again I would describe as anti cathartic, which doesn't wrap you. It doesn't wrap it in, in a sort of nice way, but offers a sort of more complex question about the value of vengeance, even if the vengeance isn't earned for you, for your for your uh, for the crime that's been committed to you. And I think that is a that is a really interesting question, and I think it it opens this film up in an interesting way. I don't know whether the film uh meant to do that necessarily because again, there's this balance of of um tone deaf with really smart writing um so it's a curious curious case of Benjamin Button here where I'm aging backwards listening to uh, you know thinking about this film but i'm i'm i, I I'm I'm more on the, because there is so much interesting things in this film. I'm more on the sides of giving it the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I'm Charles. Maybe I'm you know Chief Willoughby ing this film at this point, which is maybe.
0: But let's let's talk about Willoughby for a second because he's Mildred is good. Uh, she's she's the protagonist, no doubt. Yeah, Willoughby, dude, I cried when he is his wife read the letter
1: when he killed himself. Right. It's a it's a lovely note,
0: and like. At, at, to the point where after it was done, I was like, what movie am I watching?
1: Yeah. Like, because it, so because what happens story becomes yeah. suddenly a, a different to, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he has, he's dying.
0: He's getting worse and worse and worse. And he basically doesn't want uh, his family to see him wither and die. He wants to go out. He wants to burn out rather than fade away. Yeah. So, um, he has a perfect day. He invents this weird little magnet game for his kids, to, like f- pretend to be fishing on a thing while he can
1: go sleep with his wife in the woods.
0: Uh, his wife. Was she a little young for
1: him? Played by Abby Cornish, Australian actress, who's a fantastic actress, by the I mean, way. She's a little young. Yeah. And that it uh, felt a little weird. That that's not the first character that that has a exceedingly younger wife. No, but no one calls Will to be out on it, right?
0: And the other one is exceeding, exceeding. Anyway, yeah, uh, has a perfect day. They go home. They 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 you know, it's, they have a very intimate moment with one another, and then he goes out to quote feed the horses, and he puts a note on his on a bag that says "Don't open the bag," and he shoots himself in the head, and he leaves a bunch of different notes, like I. Uh, PS.
1: I love to use this whole thing.
0: Yeah. And, um, it's the, it's this beautiful finite thing about death, Mm uh, that is in the middle of this movie about sort of something else. Yeah. And, um, I think that's what goes back to even for all the things I've listed that I didn't appreciate or didn't land for me this movie feels more like real life, like shit just happens and you have to fucking adapt or you're going to not, not make it, yeah. uh, than any film I've seen in a long time. And there's something just it's, it's, I th- get this. I don't know if this is uh, appropriate, but it feels like, uh, this is the classy, meaningful way to elicit the same type of, I need to see what happens continually as sort of reality train wreck television. <laughs> like it's, it invokes the same need to continue on. Now, granted it's way better than reality television, yeah. but like it's, it taps into that same, like I have no clue what's going to happen. Right. And most narratives do not do that.
1: Right. Right uh is a chaos to it. Yeah, there's a and, and again that's the kind of thing that um that the Coen brothers are good at wrapping uh, around in an interesting. The film I was going to think about uh was uh there's a filmmaker who made two extraordinary movies in a row and then uh, I'm just looking whether he actually continued making films by a guy by the name of Todd Field who directed a film called In the Bedroom and then followed it with a um, film called uh, an incredible film called um Little Children. Um who did a similar thing, which is that he take in the bedroom in particular, took a a story about young and old love and, and then transformed it into a vengeance story in a way that seemed chaotic, but wrapped meaning around it. So I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have immediately jumped to reality television. Um, but, and, and I would have, I would have, you know, like McDonough's, uh, background as a playwright's help felt more appropriate, particularly in the, in the monologues written, um, by, uh, oh, yeah. by Willoughby. Um, there was also a lot of playwrighty things that, that, that felt a little off. So for example, Mildred, um, talks to her shoes in one scene, um, you know, sort of like trying to make a decision about what to do. That felt a little, yeah. And, and similarly, the thing, you know, that you were mentioning about Abby Cornish, you know, the, his wife Um, uh, John Hawks appears in this movie as um, Mildred's ex, ex abusive ex-husband, abusive ex-husband, which is always kind of treated as a little bit of a joke, but he now has a younger 19 year old wife who kind of jumps in as comedic relief as she watches her new, much older husband abuse his ex-wife. And there's this kind of like flippancy with which that character is dealt with. She's given a moment, but it's an odd moment and it's an odd moment of comic relief. It's the line that I read out at the beginning of the film where she basically makes jokes while her husband, You know, continues to be a domestic abuser.
0: She doesn't make jokes. She says stupid shit that is a joke for the audience. But it's a joke for
1: the audience. You know, like it's it's comic relief. And and similarly, there's a character in uh, Caleb Landry Jones's office, um, the 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 secretary who gets beaten up later in the movie. Who whose sole function is there to kind of inject jokes in this like awkward scene. She's treated as sort of like a a ditzy secretary. And and there's a there's a quality to those scenes where it's like the jokes are wordplay they're not like real character jokes they're not like something happened that's situationally funny it's wordplay jokes you know like is it was a polio was it polo I can't remember you know and it's almost like they're really clever and the writer got excited about it and
0: then just didn't quite
1: realize they didn't really fit right yeah and McDonough kind of um, you know, uh, bring there, there's a sort of oddness. Again, it's that tone, slightly tone deafness to it all. Um, and and it it makes for uncomfortable viewing. But again, I never felt that McDonough as writer and director was was out of out of his reach with this film. You know, like he's a very uh, confident writer and director, and and you know, there's there's a lot of confident writing in this movie. Um, and and again, that last idea in this movie again the spoiler here is is that i you know they 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 dixon finally you know as chief willoughby predicts it and alita finds the stupidest way to possibly find the rapist uh, and murderer and then it turns out that he's not the rapist and murderer even though there's this elaborate scheme to get skin under the fingernails and he proposes to to france at the end well he raped somebody so is that good enough? Can we just, you know, like do this? And, and the film ends with this note of like, are we actually going to do this? They're or
0: literally not? driving in a car and mm-hmm. they say, are we really going to kill this guy? And the other one's like, well, we'll decide when we get there. We'll decide when we
1: get there. We're on the way. Yeah. On the way. Which is this sort of odd note about vengeance, which is that, you know, vengeance, be, you know, violence begets more violence, you know, like, did she say beget? Um, but, but also like. Delicious the, breakfast pastry beget. But does, does vengeance require abs, uh, actual, uh, catharsis. And in this case there, they might, they might get vengeance without catharsis. And is that enough? And I, and I, and I thought that was a really interesting idea that comes at the last second of this movie. Um, and it fits
0: tonally with how this film is like anti-structured. Yeah. Like it, 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 it. I didn't see it coming like that.
1: Right, but yeah. like, it, I don't know. I but, don't know. But well, that's. I mean, you know, that's what our job is here: is to try and make sense of this. Are we and, getting paid? Yeah, Who's uh, paying us? Yeah, nobody. Oh man. Um, but 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 you know, again, the for the for the tone deafness with which it handles race, uh, the tone deafness with which it handles domestic abuse, kind of as comedy. There's even um, uh, uh, Peter Dinklage is in this film, and he seems to be there because you know it, it it's fun to make midget jokes uh and and it, because his character arc actually has little to no reason to be in this film any he, any he, it could have been fulfilled by any function by any by any actor but he he seems to he, peter dinklage is a really great leading man kind of actor and he kind of is brought in just to kind of take the the blame for when francis mcdormand Um, sits fired at a police station and it was like this odd sort of like oh he makes an excuse for it yeah but i was like oh are we going to do more with this character because you've got this you've got this like really well-known actor in this position are you going to do more with this no you're not really going to do more with this the more we're talking about this the less i like it why are you why are we doing this because again everything i'm saying is all counterpointed by that really unique ending and the unique setup. I like I like the idea of this movie. I like this idea of like putting police you know, like like taking justice into your own like shaming the police into action. I think that's a really interesting idea. And I think what I you know, and I again it goes in odd directions and 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 does things that i don't think really work or land but then it ends in a place that i think is interesting
0: yeah 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 no the entire thing is interesting and i enjoy i it, i enjoy the emotion and the 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 aliveness that this film brings and feels cuz it's not like any other film that i've seen in a long time but but the second you actually start looking at the minutia, it gets weirder and weirder. And it's not even like I can excuse the stuff that I don't like as bits of character things that I don't like. Oh, well, that character is a bad person, so they do this. It's like intrinsic in the way it's written and portrayed to us. It's yeah. beyond the character. <clears throat> and that, to me, it just, feels, just feels so wrong or or unskilled or or maybe or maybe toned i guess i guess that's ignorant but but the but the shocking thing the is. shocking thing is the film is not written from an ignorant place there's just bits of ignorance sprinkled in yeah and i don't get it i think that's what that's what keeps me sort of uneasy about this film is is i don't understand how the the movie that made me feel this way can also just sort of drop the ball, a bu- drop a bunch of tiny balls.
1: That, that's that comparison to the Coen brothers that I think is really useful just in terms of like trying to figure out where we stand on this film is that, you know, the Coen brothers, um, are really amazing at deadpan humor. They're really amazing at 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 big comedy in amongst dark films, um, and they they manage to tie it all together. This doesn't quite tie all of these things together, but I think it's playing in an interesting universe, and it's got so for every thing that's wrong with it, there are so many things that are great about it, and. And you know, like again, I, I I guess I come from a point of view where I would rather have a film fail in an interesting way than have something succeed uh, in a in a sort of cookie cutter way. And this is certainly not cookie cutter. This is something much right. much, much bigger than that.
0: I like both of those things.
1: Right. I, I and I, I I would take that. You you can't argue that this film doesn't have ambition. And you can't argue that this film doesn't have ideas that it wants to that it wants to explore. Um, you can't argue that you can't argue that you may not agree with most with any of those ideas or some of those ideas. And I don't, but I'm I'm willing to step up and play and figure out what the what the bad is on this movie. The thing is, and I would put it down to this sort of mixed bag here, which is that which is that when this movie works when it has uh, you know really and I I think the place where it really works is in the sense of unfulfilled rage that Francis McDormand's character Mildred has where it doesn't work is in the broader um, uh, the broader play of of race politics let's let's uh, redeem a violent bigot yeah Um, but but see I, I don't begrudge the film for trying to redeem a violent bigot. I think a film, I don't think that that is inherently a bad idea. I think a film can do that. Yeah. But, but there's, but, but this film doesn't quite do it very well. But, and but doesn't out of all
0: the point. characters in the film, right? Like, I don't think <clears throat> Dixon, Dixon deserves not, I'm not saying the performance. I'm saying <laughs> the character. Yeah. Deserves less screen time than, say, her friend at the fucking at, at the, the gift shop. at the gift shop. No, and, I, I and guess, that's I, and that that's a for for a movie whose main character is cheekily trying to stand up a little bit yet she lets her friend rot in jail. Yeah, uh, stand up in one way just totally like goes and status quo it the rest of the way
1: through. Yeah, I guess I guess what I'm saying is is that I think I've seen some reviewers take, uh, take a stand on this film for trying to give Dixon a rede- redemption story. I don't think, uh, giving Dixon a redemption story is inherently a bad idea. I think the film is not convincing about why. And that's what people should respond to is that it's not that it's not the idea, you know, like the film I was thinking about oddly, I was trying to think of films with like antiheroes, you know, people who are bad people who get some form of redemption. And for some reason, there might be a metatextual textual thing in this. The film I, I kept landing on was LA Confidential. And the character is Kevin Spacey's character um, who has been portrayed to be like a bad person the whole way through, but ultimately redeems himself by the end of the movie. And I think there's a real fine balance that that film does with his character. Now, as
0: opposed to uh, a favorite film of mine uh, this year, Kevin Spacey as well, Baby Driver, right. whose uh,
1: character arc went from bad guy to good
0: guy for no, no fucking for reason. reason
1: whatsoever. Yeah, that's that's a really good cap point counterpoint. Yeah. yeah, but I but what I don't want to say is that I don't think the idea of giving Dixon a redemption a redemption story is a bad idea. I just think
0: that that with I, I think that there's. And, and, I think, and I don't even think I think they do it fine. Like they could have done it better. Right. But they should have put more weight on the people that Dixon hurt. Yes. And that would have helped everything. That would have helped Dixon. That would have helped these characters. They, they wouldn't have just been fucking cutouts. But like, the thing
1: is, but the thing is, Dixon's redemption story is actually complex now because of that ending. Because he doesn't, they can still do that and do the other stuff. No, but what I'm saying is he doesn't actually get the guy that killed Mildred's daughter. He gets another guy, and and he might be, you know, he could be completely wrong about this person, Um, and and so that complicates our relationship to the film because he's not just getting a full redemption story. He's actually walking into something where he may be falling down a further down a rabbit hole and he's taking Mildred with him now. And I think that's the kind of question that ending arises for me that makes this interesting. So maybe it's not a redemption arc. No, maybe it's not. Maybe it does something more profound with it. And I guess, you know, look uh, our, you know, our goal as reviewers is to, is to unbox that whole thing. And I think this film again coming back to my religious analogy um does it, it, it unpacks in sort of weird ways where where things like um like Mildred's story are really deftly handled and really well handled and things like Willoughby's suicide are really well handled but things like Dixon's um the the consequence of Dixon's brutality are completely toned if the, the 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 well there's the,
0: no there's no consequence in this film at all
1: yeah and it and that is toned if
0: and we talked we talked about this and I don't want to go back to Star Wars. we were talking about consequence and sort of things like that. this film, while I think the, the 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 structure of it will stay in my mind more than say uh the last Jedi will, but I would say the last Jedi has more like character consequence because this Big things happen in three billboards, big things that then no one gives a shit about. It doesn't even feel like the world changes at all. And for, for, for a, for a film to feel so real and chaotic in one sense is another dichotomy to even the stuff I was talking about before. And then have moments of a a police station was just fucking Molotov cocktailed. Mm. Signs were burned. Yeah. Uh, There multiple beatings of people, nothing. Like, nothing. And I'm not saying I want to see that dragged out, but, like, if no, but nothing you know, has consequence,
1: then why am I wa- – like, why do I care? I, I don't think it's a case of the why am I watching it I, c- because the story continues to propel forward well, then I guess because yeah, you're of right. those things. Then how does this world work? <clears throat> yeah, and that's, and that's the thing that I think is hard to get a handle on because, again, cinema, movie, storytelling is about, to me – at least from, you know, like my, my framework of it is about ma- is about making order out of things that don't make sense. Uh, and it's not the case that the film has to wrap up in an interesting way, but the film has to offer a commentary or it has to, like, make a stand on this. You know, and that, so that,
0: what's the com- what, what do you think overall?
1: Yeah, because I have an idea. Mm-hmm. What do you think this movie's trying
0: to say? That's a good place, I think, to mm. sort of to you yeah. know, we, we, as we're coming uh, slowly to a close. But wh- what's it? What's it? What do you, Shahir Dowd, mm.
1: think this film wants you to take away? I think the things for me that, the thing that is interesting in this film is that is is that the the world is indifferent to our suffering. Sure, and and we may not get the thing we really want, which is that sense that I had in this film, which is feeling anti-cathartic. You know, there is no sense. The order doesn't, um, doesn't line up as we would want it to. And I think the thing is though, obviously a film like no country for old men does that in a much more eloquent way because every, every moment of no country for old men, um, points to that conclusion. Right. Whereas every moment in this film doesn't point to that conclusion. But again, I think the ending of this film, this idea that they're both walking into, um, the death of a character that may not have actually had anything to do with the thing that they're upset about it. And their willingness to go along with that points to points to that cathar that anti catharsis that I think is, is unique is interesting. Now, again, I think that the film is tone deaf in many ways, it does things that are, are objectionable from a story point of view and misses the mark in many, in many respects, but it has a lot on its mind and I would much rather um, give a film with ambition, the benefit of a doubt. I'm losing my voice. So I'm, that's why I'm going to yeah, wrap yeah, up. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> no, uh, I think this, I think it has, a, you, you
0: actually hit the nail on the head. I think earlier, uh, a couple, a uh, couple, couple, 10 minutes back um, where, it's this idea of what is vengeance. I think this movie overall, because even even from the beginning, what is? Ju- I think
1: justice is a better
0: word no, rather than vengeance. No, I think it might start there, but I think it ends with vengeance because, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, because well, justice and vengeance are two different things, yeah. which is interesting because in the beginning, uh, Mildred feels that justice has not been served to her daughter. Right. They have not caught the killer. Yeah, so she takes vengeance on Willoughby and the police department. She does a vengeful act that she knows will hurt them and, and get their attention to move things forward. Dixon takes a vengeance thing to the sign maker because he feels, or the sign leaser, I should mm-hmm. say, because he feels that Willoughby killed himself due to the signs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this, Mildred and, and Dixon going away Sort of does this thing about like okay, we've tried multiple ways to get justice and failed every fucking way.
1: Yeah,
0: will vengeance do? And that's and that's. Do
1: you know the you know the best analogy. I thought, I thought about uh, with that in mind. I think that's what the movie's trying to say.
0: Th- yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah.
1: But do you know the most interesting analogy I thought about with with that in mind um, was because you know the movie does sort of take a stake in portraying Americana. And, yeah. you know, like, you know, it's very much about like the American psyche in some respect. Uh, Martin McDonough is not American. So, um, you know, it, it has that sense of like being anthropological in some way. <laughs> <clears throat> Boy, my voice is really going. You're here. doing it. You can uh, make it. Yeah. Come on. Cheer me on here. No, but, but the thing that I thought about, you know, that, 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 somewhat resonated in this idea of going off and seeking vengeance in the wrong direction was invading Iraq after nine 11, you know, where, you know, like where the, the, the case was made for Iraq being, um, somehow involved with, with nine 11 when the facts didn't stack up about it. But there was this sort of like underlying case that we should just go in and, you know, take out a bad dude culturally.
0: Yeah. Not not, because governmentally it was, for placement and oil and all that shit, of course, yeah. But from but from uh, an, a common American psyche yeah,
1: standpoint, there was this yeah. sense that you know, like, and it's this this idea of misguided vengeance, um, which I thought, you know, it, it, that, yeah. that that's what played in my mind as they rolled off into the sunset to to take vengeance upon this man who you know who also interestingly was. Uh, a soldier and he and, uh, you know, Clark Peter says, you know, like it, it, it's very sandy where he was. He was out of the country when this happened. Also,
0: <laughs> also, he goes and terrorizes Mildred for no
1: reason in her shop. Very clumsily handled that scene. And also his like his um, uh, confession at the bar really clumsily handled, you know, like he's like literally telling the story of how he murdered and killed someone where, with in a someone, very
0: specific way that is, is, yeah. is too. Cause, uh,
1: Mildred's daughter was burnt and yeah. her corpse not was even, burnt after the fact. Yeah. Not even within an earshot. It's literally like sta- almost standing back to back, yeah. like the ABBA music video. Yeah. Um, so very clumsily handled, very but, interesting but, correlation, the but, ABBA music video. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, but so that's what I thought about. And that's where, again, if the movie stumbles into a big idea like that in an interesting way, then I'm kind of okay with giving it the benefit of the doubt. But, but I will say there is a lot of tone deafness in this movie and, and you know tone deafness that you feel immediately. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slink out of this podcast at this. You're gonna slink. Me, You're gonna be a slinky because my. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna h- crawl out. Of okay. Well, listen. Uh, I think we've determined
0: that this particular film is one that is. I'll speak for Shahir while he's hacking up his throat. Is is with all of its things that we've said about it in in both positive and negative senses, and I almost feel like we went a little bit more negative, but at the same time, not from a place of um of of wanting to discredit or even uh, to to push it away from the push it away from us i feel like the things that it does wrong sort of bring more of a conversational tone around the film and sort of get the conversation going outside of the theater and for that i will agree and and say it's nice to see a film that um even for all of its tone deafness gets a conversation moving and uh, I've had multiple conversations with people who have seen this film that starts with, I really loved it. And then one of us will say something the other one disagrees with, and then we'll just go. Um And uh, there's something beautifully chaotic to it being able to do all of those things. It does so many things, Mm. good or bad, it does them all. And uh, with an ending that is odd and uh, weirdly uh, appropriate for the oddness of structure that we just saw and uh yeah i think i think it's definitely worth your time and worth your money to seek out um i don't think it's going to win any awards because again it uh it just feels like that like oh everyone loves it and you're not winning
1: shit here gives thumbs up
0: the here gives thumbs up yay so this has been the only podcast about the film three billboards outside of ebbing missouri uh shahir i'm gonna do your voice because you can't do it where can folks find you when you can speak uh, you can find me at Shaheerdowd.com. Uh I'm not going to try to do your accent. That's insulting. Um, and you can find uh, my, my uh, life and works there. Also, you can find us at OnlyMoviePodcast.com for our podcasts and also... <laughs> I don't know why I just made you super monotone. You can also, I'm going to go back to me. You can find us uh, at OnlyMoviePod on Twitter. You can get in touch with us. Tell us what you thought of Three Billboards. Tell us um, what you thought, uh, what problems or praises you can reap upon it, and what you thought was the big takeaway, what you thought the filmmakers were trying to get across to us. Uh, You can also find me, Matthew Kroll, at M-A-T-G-A-G-W-K-R-O-L dot com for all of my life and works. Uh, Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram, and Emperor, M-S-K on Twitter. Also, still doing that love stuff with uh james port now and extra credits every saturday at 8 p.m eastern uh doing a bunch of fun video game playthrough stuff hanging out with some good friends and it's a lot of fun uh yeah i guess uh we're gonna wrap it up and uh shahir uh i just want to let's just end it with this um the i just want you to be silent if you think that the marvel cinematic universe is the greatest thing to ever happen in all of cinema oh I, sorry i'm having a rumbly in my tumbly it's time for me to eat some dinner uh anyway oh so i guess that's that settles the argument we will now know that Shahir dowd endorses the mcu <sighs> Uh, I I just had to bring it there. Uh, Mm -hmm. Until next time, Sheer, I hope you feel better, buddy. Um, I hope your throat uh, heals itself. And, uh, oh, we'll be back next time with a little bit of holiday cheer. So um, until then, chug that eggnog, and we will see you next week. Bye. Mm